to Book Squad Goals. This is Kelly, and this week we are talking about The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a New York Times bestseller right right now. now, It's kind of a big deal. Um, But we decided to do this before it came out, just so you know. We're ahead of the Yeah, we liked this book before it was cool. So. Yeah. (laughs) We liked this book before we read it. (laughs) That's true. As I told you guys last time. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't don't Um, know what I'm talking about, I guess you have to go back and listen to that episode. So, yeah. I guess you do. Um, Okay. So, in order to uh, talk about this week's book, which is about or features heavily twins, we are going to talk about twins. And I want to ask you guys, what is your favorite story about twins? It could be a book, a TV show, a movie, whatever you want. Okay, I'll go. This is Emily. Um, So when I think of twins, I automatically think of like creepy twins. Because Mm -hmm. um, horror is my favorite thing. And um, I'm not going to go with the obvious answer, which would be the Shining Twins, because they're not actually twins. <laughs> and a lot of people make that mistake. They aren't? Nope. They're just sisters. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, Hold on a second. I'm having a dog conniption okay. fit behind me. I'm just going to oh take care of it. I just oh. heard a very squeaky yeah, bark. Yeah, in. Justin, <laughs> can you uh, get these dogs? Your dogs? I said these dogs, not your dogs. Your dogs. One of them's yours. No. They're making trouble. They're your dogs. <laughs> Come on. Upstairs. Just kidding. They're all ours. Hi, Justin. But yeah. Can you close? They made us love squeaky. Yes. Yeah, so come say hi. He probably Hi. Um. <laughs> all right. Sorry, okay. Emily. I, I enjoyed the, the building of suspense there. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the twins <laughs> yeah. in The Witch because they they were creepy as hell, and oh. I don't think they get enough credit for being creepy because they really are nice. It is the season of The Witch. Is that the 2015 movie The Witch that you're talking about? That is right. Okay, I tried to watch that recently, and I took it off <gasps> Netflix. Wait, you haven't seen it before? No, but I ca- I had like been meaning oh, to see it for a very so long time. Pretty good. much since you talked it about must it. Be. <laughs> yeah, you vlogged about really it, didn't you? Good. Uh, yeah, so we were finally going to sit down to watch it and it was uh, gone. It's really good. It's so, so good. I know. Well, one day um the cats are also battling right now. Maybe it's because of the full moon. Mm. Um Okay. Good choice. Yeah. Uh I know. I can go since you asked the question. Yeah. I was going to go last to make sure that no one was going to take what I was going to say so that I can make my decision. (laughs) You know I'm not going to take yours. I told you I was going to cheat this answer. Oh, that's true. Um, This is Susan, and I'm going to cheat. So mine's not really twins, but it's identical people. Okay. Um, But they're not actually related. So I had to talk about. The Likeness by our girl Tana French. Ah, mm. yes, that's a good that's a good book. Yeah, so it's cheating, but like it's, it's similar. Um, but yeah, the main character in that used to be an undercover detective, and she no longer is. But then a girl 
is murdered and the ID that she has on her has the same name that the main character used to use as her undercover name. And they look exactly alike. So uh, the rest of the story is about figuring that out. But she like lives as this girl for a while. She's like kind of living as a sort of twin, but not. Let's see, I cheated. You did it's cheat. A, it's a really good story. There's a though. new town of French about to drop, so. I know. In honor. It was on the mind. Uh, plug. Yeah. <laughs> well, you cheated, but that's fine. Um, this is Kelly. Uh, I'm going to cheat too then. I was thinking about, um, this isn't really cheating. It's more that it's more than one thing. So I have a lot of, of things that I was considering saying because I'm like super into twins. I think that they're really <laughs> interesting. I know that sounds creepy, not in a sexy way. Um, my mom is a twin. Uh, so I think there's kind of this, which is probably completely like an old wives tale that like twins are supposed to skip generations. So like supposedly if I got pregnant, there would be a good chance that I would have twins. Um, I don't think that's actually true, and I'm also not going to get pregnant, but, uh, (laughs) there's that. Um, but anyway, I don't know. I've just always had this, like, fascination with twins, partially because my mom is a twin, although she's a fraternal twin. She has a twin brother. Um, and they're not identical. Uh, (laughs) but as a kid, I, like, wished so badly that I had a twin sister, which I think, like, a lot of, like, kids do wish for that just because it's, like a permanent best friend, even though obviously, like, real twins don't necessarily feel that way about their twin. Um, (laughs) But speaking of childhood obsessions with twins, I'm going to have to say that my choice is the work, um, the collected work of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I loved them. I read... Like, so many of their – they had various book series also as – when I was a kid, they had a detective one that I particularly loved um, and that I read a lot of. And also all of their movies, you know, Billboard Dad, uh, Passport to Paris, Holiday in the Sun. What was the one where they were in witness protection and went to Australia? Oh, I think that's Holiday in the Sun. Is it? I think so. I really liked that one. Yeah. And of course, like, It Takes Two. And I watched that mystery series where they solved any crime before dinner time. <laughs> yes. Um, iconic. Also, when they were very little, they had, like, there are people being so fucking loud outside of my apartment. Like, I get that it's Friday, but can you shut the fuck up? Um, <laughs> I hope they can hear me. Uh... <laughs> Uh, double, double, toil and trouble, um, mm-hmm. or double the trouble, I think was maybe what it was called, which was like their spooky child movie. Um, their movie, I think it was called when the West was fun or how the West was fun. Um, instead of one anyway, they're just great. New York minute, even huge fan. So <laughs> I also thought about saying sister, sister. That why you moved to New York? That show too. Yeah, I did actually. I have a hard time remembering the actual premise. I just remember like the characters, but I think it was like a separated at birth vibe and they like found each other. So yeah, like, exactly. Parent, parent child like, style. Beca- 
Oh, man. Yeah. Those should have been my favorite twins. Uh, yeah, I thought someone was going to oh, say man. that for sure. I wonder what Mary would have said. Speaking of which, you might notice that, unfortunately, Mary is not here. She is not feeling well and cannot join us for this discussion, but she'll be back next episode. Um, Maybe. And Maybe. <laughs> God willing. If she ever gets better. <laughs> uh and we miss her very much. And you do. Um, We're sorry that she's not feeling well. Yeah, it's We're not. It's not COVID her. though. She she got the test. Everyone. Yeah. Um, but we'll find out. She said that she had a really good one. Um, but then I asked her if she wanted us to say it, and she never answered. She so, she passed out. Uh, we're just gonna have to. So we're just gonna have to wait. <laughs> we're just gonna have to ask her later. Um, Let's just assume it was Lindsay Lohan and Lindsay Lohan in the Parent Trap remake. Um. Okay. So <laughs> that said, let us get into the Goodreads summary for this. The Veen's twin sisters will always be identical, but after growing up together in a small southern black community and running away at age 16, it's not just the shape of their daily lives that is different as adults, it's everything. Their families, their communities, their racial identities. Many years later, one sister lives with her black daughter in the same southern town she once tried to escape. The other secretly passes for white, and her white husband knows nothing of her past. Still, even separated by so many miles and just as many lies, the fates of the twins remain intertwined. What will happen to the next generation when their own daughter's storylines intersect? Weaving together multiple strands and generations of this family, from the Deep South to California, from the 1950s to the 1990s, Britt Bennett produces a story that is at once riveting, emotional that is at once a riveting emotional family story and a brilliant exploration of the American history of passing. Looking well beyond issues of race, The Vanishing Half considers the lasting influence of the past as it shapes a person's decisions, desires, and expectations, and explores some of the multiple reasons and realms in which people sometimes feel pulled to live as something other than their origins. Um, decent Goodreads summary. I would say that uh, sums it up. I'm now going to issue a spoiler warning. We are going to talk about what happens in this book. And if you um, don't want to know, then you should go read the book (laughs) and come back. Uh, Also, this will be adapted into an HBO series. So if you don't want to be spoiled for that, also don't listen to this. Uh, All right. So to begin... Um, I thought we could talk about time and memory. This seems like an easy place to start because we can talk a little bit about the structure of the book. The book mostly follows a chronological timeline, though it hops around more at the beginning when we're learning about the twins and their disappearance. Generally, there's a forward trajectory, but there are many moments when we fall back in time through memories. So how did you guys feel about this structure and how does it lend itself to the role memory plays thematically in the novel? I don't know. I'm letting someone else talk because I I didn't particularly like the the timeline stuff. Well, you can talk about that. I would love to hear. I know, but I would love to hear from someone who who liked that. Well, first, I did like it. I don't know if I'm going to sell you on liking it, too. But um, yeah, so you referenced the beginning and it jumping around. So it it starts when Desiree comes back to Mallard. And then we kind of get the background of how they left, too. So that is where it, it changes a little bit. But 
it really, it worked for me. Um, and I typically don't like books that cover a time span this long in fiction because I feel like it doesn't give me enough time with characters. I like to really like sink in with characters for a while. And I feel like normally when a book goes this far across time, you don't get a deep enough sense of who people are. However, it's really long. (laughs) I did not feel that way (laughs) this time. Um, Like I felt like I, even with moving around and changing who we were focusing on between the two twins and between their, their daughters, I still had a really good sense of where I was and who that person was. And I liked, I liked the way the time moved kind of back and forth. Um, I liked, I thought the memory, like going back in memories worked the way that it actually does work when you're telling a story and talking about memories and just kind of associating back to things that remind you of something. Like it felt like it moved pretty naturally to me, even as much as it covered. Yeah. Now, Emily, you can tell me why that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm the opposite. Like I often like when things are not told linearly and, um, I I don't know. I think that usually the purpose of telling something in a nonlinear way, and I think what the purpose is supposed to be here is like, it's about um, creating a linear story through, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tone and uh, emotion rather than through like time. Um, But I don't that wasn't really happening here for me with this. Like I just, it just kind of, a lot of the time it felt to me, again, this is just to me. (laughs) It felt to me like a little, um, like random. I think in, and not, not every time, but I think a lot of times I was just like, Oh, we're going to a different time period now. I'm not quite sure why we're getting this now and not before. So, but I mean, like, that's just, just my opinion. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that what Susan said about how, like, the natural way that memory works is maybe what the goal of, of that, like, randomness was. And it's totally mm-hmm. fair if that didn't, like, work for you. Um, I It worked yeah. for me, but uh, I think I was just kind of, like, absorbed by it. So I was, like, reading it and I wasn't really th- – I wasn't really thinking about, like, why – like, I didn't even think about the structure that much until I was trying to figure out, like, questions to ask about the book. Because, like, while I was reading it, I was just like, this is how it's happening. And I – I, it felt natural enough to me that I wasn't, like – I wasn't taken out of it ever. Like, why is this happening this way? Um, I do think that there were certain moments that were held um, back to be revealed later to create a little bit more tension and drama – you know, we don't get the story mm-hmm. of Stella leaving and why for a really long time, where right. we get a lot of Desiree's story first. Um, and so we sort of understand, like, the impact of her absence before we get to the part where we learn about, like, what what was even going on with her. So she does feel kind of like a missing presence rather than a person for, like, the first little bit of the story. 
Um, yeah, and that's that is a choice that made sense to me. Yeah. Um, when I'm looking at like linearly, like why things happen the way they happen, it makes sense to tell. I mean, essentially, the way at least that timeline is structured is we get one sister story and her daughter's story, and then we get the other sister's story and her daughter's story. Right. Basically. But within that, within that structure, yeah. there were some back and forth that didn't make as much sense to me. Yeah. And it wasn't ever like, oh, I'm confused what's happening. Like, I could follow it. But I think to me, getting back to the, um, like, the emotional arc of the story, it disrupted the emotional arc of the story to me. Okay. Um, so. That's fair. Yeah. Um. I also do think that, um, and we can talk about this more later, but I think that, like, the the role of, like, memory, and, and it's, it mentioned it a little bit in the Goodreads description about, like, how history and a person's history impacts, like, who they become, and I think that a lot of this book is is about the way that things are remembered and how those things that are remembered impact a person even more than, like, what actually happened, like, we – like, one big sort of moment is when Kennedy, like, lo- like meets Jude and she hears the name Mallard and she suddenly remembers, like, this mm-hmm. town – and because her mom has never told her anything about her life except once when she was very small. And later she tried to tell her mom, you told me that you lived in a town that started with the letter M and her mom was like, you're crazy. I never said that. You were young. You don't remember it. And – like, oh, I know how that feels. Yeah. My mom does that shit all the time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, and that is, like, something that Stella pulls very often in this book. Um, the, yeah. Like, you, I, know all, I, don't, I know all about the gaslighting mom. I know all about that yeah. act. I've seen it. I've been there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but Stella, uh, yeah, she, she lies. And then when Kennedy hears that name, it's, like, this spark in her memory that reminds her, I I knew this, and that's, like, why, part of the reason why she doesn't immediately dismiss what Jude is saying. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think, like, there's that, and then um, there's, like, the the presence of, of Stella in Desiree's life, like, she is a memory, basically, for like, her whole life after she disappears. Um, I, I think that there's so many different things going on with memory. And in th- then at the end, you have the mother, Adele, gets Alzheimer's, and her memory's all fucked up. And, like, I think that that is kind of an interesting way to tie things together in the sense that, like, memory is is so important to so many of these people. And, like, defines so much of everything for them and then someone in their life like loses it completely um Mm -hmm. so i thought that was interesting too um yeah but um the next thing that i want to talk about which is kind of like the you know what the book is about is identity obviously um (laughs) it's the central theme of the book and it's the one that bennett has said she was most interested in exploring Um, And I'm interested in looking at the ways this novel answers not just the question of how we become who we are, but also how much choice we have in the matter. Um, There's a lot in this book about the choices we make and how those choices 
can like make or break who we become. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you guys which identity struggles you found the most interesting. And this might be a good place just to like, we can talk about different characters and because pretty much every person in this book is like having some kind of identity crisis, whether it's like small or large, you know? Um, Well, I I think it's really, um, and Kelly, I know we briefly talked about this before we got on the call. Yeah. So apologize. (laughs) But I, I think that, I became much more interested in the story when we got to Jude and Kennedy. Yeah, me too. Um, and I think part of that is because there's a tragedy to their stories in that, you know, their mothers both had control, like a little bit more control over deciding their identities. Yeah. But, um, Jude and Kennedy's identities and their lack of choice has a lot to do with like, their mother's choices and like what they did and didn't tell their children. Um, I, I just think on a personal level, I'm very close with my cousins. Yeah. And so I felt kind of like, like I felt a tragedy there and like, you know, if these two girls and they bring this up in the book too, but like if these two girls had grown up together, like they would have probably been really close, Mm -hmm. but they, they just grew up in like really different worlds and they were robbed of that um obviously kennedy was robbed of her racial identity for better or for worse and to the point where like you know when jude says like well you're black kennedy's like no i'm not and she's like well your mom is so you are too like that's the way it works you know (laughs) right (laughs) like i can't like, I can't even fathom what that would be like. Like, I guess, like, if somebody, if I suddenly, I'm very white, as we have discussed. <laughs> but if, if you're just if tuning in, suddenly, we are. Yeah. If you can't tell. <laughs> still white. Still right. white. Um, but, you know, if someone, I, if someone told me suddenly, like, guess what? You're black. I don't, like, that would be a really, like, so much of your identity is kind of wrapped up in race. Like, that's just kind of the way our world works. And, like, I can't imagine, like, she's been robbed of a lot by, like, not being aware of that part of her identity, you yeah. know? Um, like, she was a spoiled-ass, self-absorbed white girl all her life. Yeah. Like, how is she going to deal with this, you know? <laughs> yeah, and she, like, it doesn't get the – because, like, of course she has – like, a massive amount of privilege in that she is, like, entirely white passing and, you know, for her whole life, you know, thinks that she's white and that she's fully white and it never is an issue for her. But also, you know, she is missing out on, like, a culture that is so meaningful to so many people Um, and Mm -hmm. something that she really can't enter at this, like, stage in her life because she's already lived her whole life as this privileged person and like even right and her her, sorry go ahead oh no i mean i was gonna say like even still she is extremely white passing and she probably wouldn't have been able to engage in the exact same way um as someone like jude can but still it's like you know this you can't like be 25 and be like oh you know because like so we talk about this when we talk about people who discover who get their dna results and they're like oh i have like indigenous ethnicity results but i have not been a part of this culture i've not engaged with it at all you can't just be an adult and then suddenly 
enter a culture that like you have not experienced, have not identified with, and that, you know, uh, has a significant, a significantly different like life experience than you. So, yeah. And I mean, like even her boyfriend is like, you don't even have any black friends. Right. Like, right. Yeah, he said, like, like you she, don't even like any black it. people except for me. And like, we're not even yeah. friends. Right. <laughs> like so she, tries, she tries to tell him at one point, like, you know, I am actually black. And he's like, LOLs. Okay. <laughs> I can totally see that. Like, I, yeah, girl, you're totally black. And like, yeah. And I, ooh, and like, I mean, maybe this is a whole other subject, but, like, just getting into that relationship oh with Francis, her boyfriend, like, the fact that he has her call him the N-word when they're in bed together, like, I'm like, there is some racial identity issues going on there where, like, you kind of like the idea of being with a white girl who doesn't fully respect you. And he's been so. with, with three other white girls before her. So, clearly, like, like there's something... He has this... He has this weird, like fetish for I don't know like that that's something that needs to be explored maybe in another novel because this is not France's story yeah. but you know <laughs> it was def- it was like a little thing and I was like whoa that, that's a lot yeah it was it, 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 and it like the whole like oh yeah and I, I call him the inward in bed was like totally mentioned in passing like one time and it's just like record scratch what <laughs> yeah. Hold on. which is like even more proof that she has lived a very completely white existence because right. she just skimmed over that like it was not a big deal and she's like it's yeah. different than the time that i called another little girl the n-word as a child right because he yeah. asked me to no, like, <laughs> no. i mean i guess not. it's i would it's different but it's not concerned. good like <laughs> yeah, you i guess you yeah. were asked this time but i mean same word yeah um mm-hmm. okay so I think that what's really interesting about the identity question and like how the mother's identity affects the children is going back to the way that Mallard was set up to be in the first place by the town's founder. Like basically it was to make lighter and lighter skinned black people by Mm -hmm. (laughs) breed. Breeding with well, procreating with <laughs> yeah. yeah, like like yeah. what? Why did I just talk about that? Like humans, there's not a word for human sex. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> procreating. Well, I mean, with- <laughs> when you're talking about when you're talking about um, procreating for the purpose of getting certain genetic traits to be more prevalent, that is breeding. Yeah. Okay, like, so it makes a little genetics. sense why that's the word that popped in my head. But yes. so the Desiree and Stella's mother is a direct descendant of that founder of the town who started this kind of selective breeding type of thing. And mm-hmm. so this town that has a lot of very light skinned black people in it has a lot of colorism for that reason. And yeah. then so one twin like, takes that to the extreme and just follows it until she is now, like, de facto a white person. Mm-hmm. And the other one sort of backtracks it and marries a very dark-skinned black man. And then they have what the world sees as a, a actual white daughter and then a very dark-skinned girl who everyone in Mallard, when they see her, 
is like, well, that can't be her kid. Like, what's going on here? Um, And not not only that, but, like, that can't be her kid because her kid is so ugly and she's so beautiful. Right. (laughs) And we don't want her here because she doesn't fit in. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Susan. No, I don't don't really know uh, exactly where I was going with that. But just that, like, I guess that it goes back even – those choices go back even way before the twins made their big split. Like, right. Yeah. Um, but like one of them kind of stayed in that vein, but like took it to the farthest point it could go, which is whiteness. Right. Yeah. And then the other one went almost like back. Well, and also her Desiree, mom wasn't happy about that either. <laughs> right. Right. And, and also Desiree is making a decision to bring her very dark skinned daughter into this community and, and have her grow up there in a place that completely isolates her because there are no other dark skinned kids uh, like mm-hmm. her and also makes her feel it's like, it's not even the same as being the only black kid in a white community it's being the only dark-skinned kid in a community of of light-skinned black people and feeling like you are supposed to fit in with these people because you're all black but you still don't because it so it's like another level of of like yeah community shaming like it's it's colorism yeah like that is yeah yeah um and like that is and so, and that's Desiree's decision to like to not you know try to like start. And I understand. And of course, like both of these women have reasons for why they made these decisions, but also like their decisions have huge effects on how their daughters identify themselves. Because we talk about Kennedy already, but with Jude, she's like so uncomfortable in her skin growing up, and is and she is so desperate to escape too and when she does she like literally never goes back until she has to because someone dies like she's mm-hmm. so she wants to get as far away as possible um i'm really interested when we cuz i know we're going to talk about lovecraft country in an upcoming episode i'm really interested when we get to that to hear about what you guys think that show is saying about passing yeah. Because there's an episode, there's an episode where a black woman, this is not like a big spoiler or anything, I promise. But there's an episode <laughs> where a black woman uh, gets the ability to like turn into a white woman. And like, she's very like dark skinned and black, but like, she, like it's a magic potion where she okay. can turn into a white woman. And she like goes and gets a job like her first thing that she wants to do she's like i want to get a job that only like a white woman could get and like live in the world as a white woman and it made me think about how um stella basically does like that's kind of her way her first test of like passing as white is like she's like she goes and gets this job and she applies for it knowing that it's the kind of job you can only really get if you're white Mm -hmm. And so she's, like, testing the water there, like, can I do this? Yeah. Um, it just kind of reminded me that that whole idea of, like, passing as white in the workplace and, like, passing in order to get a job reminded me of that episode of Lovecraft. And I think it's going to be interesting to talk about that when we get to it. Yeah, okay. I'm very excited to start watching that. It's so good. It's so good. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, oh, oh, go ahead, Susan. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I think while we're talking about identity, we should definitely talk about Reese. Yes, that was going to be my next. Okay, go ahead then. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, let's talk about Reese. So I want you to say what you wanted to say. (laughs) I didn't, like, have anything in mind. (laughs) Say it, Um, Susan. So Reese is, speaking of passing, right, when we first meet Reese, Reese has decided to pass as a man – and it's it's like it's it's sort of have like Teresa is hold on sorry okay. Teresa is like on the road and decides like from this moment on like I'm going to a new community like they're gonna know me as Reese yeah. right um and so and Reese does a very good job of passing as a man because like um Kennedy doesn't know yeah I mean and no no one really seems to know. Um, and this is definitely something that... I think Barry and his, that group of friends know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. But they, they, That's because... Like... Well, I know Barry knows because he says it, but... Right. Um, like, I think that whole group knows because all of them have their own little secret. Yeah. I think, I think in a lot of ways, like like, queer recognizes queer, you know? Like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But I think... I mean, I think it's so interesting, too, because... Because Reese is a man, and... But I think, you know, growing up as Yes, and I'm sorry, I don't... I I was using the term passes as, like, a transitional phrase into this next Oh, yeah, no, I know. I'm that Reese isn't a man, but anyway. Yeah, because, like, Teresa didn't even, like, fully identify or realize that that was what was missing um until uh he became reese and then because it kind of says like he like slid into this identity and then realized that like that was it like fit and made sense and had been like missing but at that time it was so much less um common to be able to slip into that identity and to be able to accept it and it was not talked about in the same way as it is now and even i mean obviously now it's still like a a huge obstacle for trans people to be able to transition i think i think one of the things that does make it easier for reese is and i guess like this is kind of what i mean by passing he passes as a cis man yeah um because i think a lot of a lot of cisgender people don't understand that you can be a man and not look like a cis man. Right. Exactly. But I, th- I think, I think Reese sort of similarly to, um, I don't know, like a, a light skinned black person trying to pass as white, like, um, he benefits from like easily being able to hide as like, fitting into societal norms like yeah people aren't questioning people aren't questioning his gender on the street because he he looks like he could be a cis man yeah and it and it is a privilege and he not only does he look like a cis man but he looks like a very attractive cis man he's like beautiful yes yes um but he also obviously is like what what i think is so great about about Reese and about this story is that like we we find out very quickly that Reese is who he is and he is trans 
And the way that we find out is, like, we're finding this out, and I'm like, oh, God, is this going to be some kind of, like, secret that he has to, like, reveal? But then we find, like, he's telling us, or we're learning this story, and we're learning it, and we realize that it's he's telling it to Jude. And, like, we don't ever have to do the whole, like, oh, she doesn't know, and, you know, this whole, like, and I have been thinking about this a lot ever since watching that documentary, um, Disclosure, because there are so many stories about trans people um, where they have to, like, at some point disclose their transness. Like, I actually have, yeah. like, whichever genitals. And I actually, you know. And it yeah. it can be this, like, horrific, traumatizing thing. Um, and here it's not at all. It's just Judah's, like, she accepts it immediately. And... Her whole, she's just like I have a huge crush on this guy, and I just want him to like me. <laughs> like, yeah. And her yeah. only reaction to it is, well, "I've never heard anything like that before." Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, if only we could all just like hear things we've never heard before, and then just accept it. Be cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Be cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just their love story is like my favorite part of this book and maybe that's just because i'm like very obsessed with like queer romance right now but uh i don't know it was just well they're also just like really supportive of each other yeah and they're supportive of each other and they're accepting of one another's identities and we have a lot of relationships in this book where like people aren't fully on board with the other person's identity right um or they're not fully supportive of one another Right, or they're so keeping think, secrets like, from each other and all that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Like, this is, like, probably the healthiest relationship in the book. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So there's that, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. I think, I think this relationship and then the relationship between, like, Desiree and Early is fairly, like, like a fairly positive relationship, although it's not perfect. But I, yeah. I like that relationship, too. Um, I feel like anytime there's a cis man in a relationship, it's not going to be perfect. Well, yeah, Just absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we do we do our best with what we're given, but you know, there's always an issue or two. <laughs> Hi Ben. <laughs> Hi Ben. Ben knows. Um, so piggybacking, I love Ben. I really do. Off that last <laughs> question, <I know. laughs> uh, the vanishing half seems particularly interested in performance and how that ties into identity. Um, Whether it's the performance of lying about who you are in order to pass or the literal performance of acting on stage, Um, Kennedy Mm -hmm. becomes an actress and a a huge part of her identity story is based on performance and and finding herself that way. So I'm just wondering what you guys think about uh, the book is saying about the role that pretending plays in the way that we shape our identities. Well, I just want to say that I love – there are a couple of things that I love about Kennedy's um, journey to identity. First of all, like, Kennedy <laughs> is a piece of work. She's, like, trash, but uh, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love that um, she admits pretty late in the novel she's, like – she goes to school for uh, – um, why can't I think of what real it's called? Estate. Like real she estate. She goes to school to be a real estate. And they're like, one of the most important things about real estate is being honest. And she was like, well, fuck, I don't know how to do that <laughs> at all. Um, so at least she's aware. Yeah. Um, but, but I also love how she like basically just 
in a, in a move that is very reminiscent of her mother, just like dips and doesn't tell anybody, yeah. and is like, "I've gone off to find myself." Yeah. And her mom is like, "What you mean, find yourself?" <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, she uh, of all the characters, I feel like she's struggling like the most with yeah finding an identity that she like accepts and like. She goes by different names and, like, I don't, like, she's just a piece of work. She got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, well, because she's the one who's been lied to, like, the the most, probably. Yeah, I'm not saying it's all her fault. Oh, yeah, I mean. (laughs) No, it's it's definitely not her fault. It's not, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) some of it is her fault, but. um, Yeah. Yes. You know, she, she's doing what she can with what she has. Um, but oh, yeah, man. I think it's, I I thought it was interesting how, you know, like she actually is so much like her mother. And I, I also think like both of the, the daughters, it's like made a point of that neither of them look anything like their mothers. Um, they both look exactly like their dads. <laughs> and, <laughs> but like, uh, Kennedy is a lot like her mom, actually, because she does, like, mm-hmm. find solace in pretending and in, like, becoming someone else's, like, when she feels calm and, like, free. Um, but then it's, like, if your identity is to be – is the identity of becoming other identities, then it's hard for you to, like, focus on who you actually are outside of that. Um yeah. And I think that Stella struggles with that, too, because she is pretending and she becomes, like, white Stella. But then it's, like, she doesn't really know – like, she lost sight of the person she was before and she became this new person. But this new person doesn't completely exist because no one really knows yeah. her completely. I thought her relationship with her black neighbor was really Yeah, I was going to say, we, yeah. we need to talk about that. Yeah. I feel like that was Stella trying to, like, have her cake and eat it, too. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and she – so her – a black couple or black family moves in, um, like, across the cul-de-sac. And it's, like, a whole from, big thing, and Stella, like, pitches a fit at, like, the homeowners association meeting or whatever because she's, like, enough is enough. Like, we can't have these be- – and it's, like – She's – it's, like, you're being so extra right now. Like <laughs> – Yeah. Calm she's down so, or people yeah. are going to figure you out. Right. Like, she's so afraid <laughs> that they're going to figure her out. You're being too white. Yeah. That she's, like, I'm going to go overboard and, and be, like, extra white. And it's, like, don't draw attention to yourself if you don't want people to notice. <laughs> but – yeah, yeah, so she um, she makes a big fuss about it. But then when the family moves in, she secretly befriends the wife. Is it Loretta? Is that her yeah. Name? Okay. Um, I love the name Loretta. Me too. <laughs> so I was like, was that it or did I just make that up? Because I like it. <laughs> um, and their children play together. Their daughters play together. Um, but she... I mean, she thinks she's being sneaky. Other people in the neighborhood see it and they're talking shit about her, of course, but she doesn't tell her husband about it. And she has a few moments where she's with Loretta or she's with Loretta and her other black friends where she wants to, like, not say I'm one of you, but, like, connect with her in a way where, like, she thinks that Loretta kind of knows or she, she like, wants to reach out without really doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they get in a huge fight um, because of Kennedy. <laughs> um, that little yes. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, Being a piece of work as always. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So Kennedy calls Loretta's daughter the N-word while they're playing and both little girls start crying. There's a big fight. And then Loretta basically says, like, don't ever come around here again. Yeah, because, of course, she assumes, like, if my daughter – if your daughter is using that word, then so are you, you know? Yeah. It came from you. Um, I think that's a fair assumption to make, honestly. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I would make the same assumption, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But – Her, what I think is really interesting about this relationship is, like, Stella's reaction to it after it ends, which is, like, it almost feels like this breakup that she can't quite let go of, and she really wants to, she wants her to know that that's not what she's really like, or, I mean, she slaps Kennedy when it happens, and then immediately is, like, you know, and Kennedy's, like, what did I do? And she's, like, I don't know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, Which and, later, like, Kennedy remembers as a very confusing moment for her, too. Yeah, well, because <laughs> she's, like, she's like, I didn't, she hugged me. <laughs> she's like, I didn't know that that bad word was different than, like, the word fuck or, like, other bad words. Yeah. Like, I thought yeah. it was just a bad yeah. word that I wasn't supposed to use, but I didn't realize that it was, like, actually, like, a bad word. Because bad words yeah. aren't really bad. They're just words. <laughs> but bad As, as bad you words. can tell from this podcast, we say fuck all the yeah, time. I don't yeah. consider that Just to throw be. it around. I think that's a good yeah. word, actually. I think it's a <laughs> great word. That's why we have an explicit tag, and we're proud of it. <laughs> yeah, but you will not hear us use the the bad bad word. <laughs> no, ever. No, um, ever, ever. So that's no. like there's a comedian who talks about that who like, and I wish I could remember who it was, but it might have been John Mulaney talking about how like some show wouldn't let them say midget. Interesting. And someone was like, well, you can't say midget. It's as bad as the N-word. And he was like, well, it can't be because you said the word midget out loud to me. So you're not <laughs> saying the other one. And no one's saying the other one. So we know that that's worse. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, I'm not condoning that you should say midget. I'm just, yeah. yeah. as an example, we will say fuck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, also, like, fuck literally doesn't isn't hurtful to anyone. Like, is not i'm not referring to a person when i say fuck yeah no and um, for the record i don't like use the word midget day to day. i just thank have you, an example Susan. that came to mind <laughs> oh god there's more people coming up the stairwell oh man everyone just write in and tell us how we offended you so we can apologize for sorry in advance yeah no sorry i'm sure it was me this time um <laughs> no i mean i talked about a trans person passing so it's fine we're all learning um, but then you explained it as long as we over explain ourselves because we're worried about yeah. offending people at least we're trying maybe or we uh, offended you and uh, there's nothing we can do about that and that is the way that life is and all we can do is like feel the yeah. shame of knowing that we fucked up and we and, will feel yeah. shame about it i feel Trust shame us. all the time um as white people we are ashamed all the time yeah of being white and trying it's real, it's, to it's, learn yeah. how to be better um, well, and this is why Stella feels ashamed. Look, see how I brought it back. <laughs> you did so good. Good job. Incredible. I'm real. I'm proud of you. I'm so proud. Ah, uh, full circle. Um, it just takes two and a half glasses of wine, and you can do it too. Um. Okay. Anyway, cheers. Um, cheers. What's up? So, 
this is my my last kind of main discussion point, which is that um, Brid Bennett has mentioned in a few different interviews that one thing she didn't want to do with her characters, Stella in particular, was moralize, which is a common trope in narratives about passing. I think especially in narratives about passing um, in, like, Black communities. Uh, So, you know... People who are passing, especially in, like, melodramas and things like that, will get, like, punished for for lying about who they are. Um, and there's no great reckoning or punishment for any of the characters here. And no indictment from the narrator about what was right or what was wrong. So how do we feel as readers about where these characters end up? Uh, are we satisfied? And does it matter if we are satisfied? Hmm. Okay. Well, I do want to talk about Stella's ending. Yeah, for sure. So when Stella shows back up in Mallard, she does so basically to tell Desiree to tell her daughter to stop (laughs) coming to Kennedy and like about to like blow her cover story. Yeah. And I love how she like, sorry to interrupt you, but I love how she's like, I'm going to go visit you for the first time ever because I don't want my cover story to get blown, not because I miss you. <laughs> like, bitch. Yeah. I get, I mean, I think she also, I think both of those things are true, but yeah. I think now she has enough of a a reason in her own eyes to actually make the move right. and do it. Because she does have a nice, you know, 24-hour reunion with with Desiree. Um, where they drink together and they talk about, they, I mean, they talk like pretty civilly. There's only like one moment where they really, it gets kind of heated between them. But I mean, they are affectionate toward one another and they sleep in the same bed together like they did when they were young. But Stella is kind of totally let off the hook by the fact that her mom doesn't remember anything right now. Like when she comes back, her mom's Alzheimer's makes it so that time is basically collapsed and she just has both of her teenage daughters in her house again and nothing has really changed. So although I guess it's not really letting her off the hook, that's probably very sad for her that she never actually gets to reconnect with her mom at all. Um, but she also doesn't get the type of like um, angry reaction that she is expecting from Adele. I don't really know which is worse now that I'm saying it because <laughs> that would really suck if your yeah. mom just didn't like all those years didn't happen. Um, well, I think it's, I think, I think it's worse because you know that you've come back too late to ever. It's like, she's not dead, but the mother that you knew is is not the same because like you're not you're with her but she's in like a stage of like regression you know like you're not ever going to have a chance to know your mom the way that like you would have before and I think it's probably better for her mom yeah yeah that it happened that way but not for her for her I think that that will be like one of many eternal regrets you know and then she leaves again um 
a lot like she did the first time, sort of just without telling anyone. Well, Early knows because he catches her and helps her get where she's going. But when Adele does die in the end, um, Jude tells Kennedy so that Kennedy can tell Stella. And she's like, she's not going to want to know. Yeah. She's like, well, I think she might want to know. And Kennedy's like, no, you don't know her like, like I know her. Yeah. But she doesn't really know her either. No one knows anyone. Um, so, yeah. Much I like the couple next any... door taught us, like, do you really know? Oh, wait, no. Sorry. A stranger in the house. Do you really <laughs> know your husband? Do you it's really know your wife? Two. Sorry. Um, uh, wait, what's that? I think that was a couple next door. It was both of them. No, anymore. That's what, like, that's what I'm, like, saying. It's easy to confuse them because right now I don't think I could tell you. This, like, a stranger which. in the house is when she, like, um, loses her memory or something of, like, how the, she got in this car accident and then she comes home and it's, like, how did it happen? Did that's we right, read a couple that? Next door yeah, because I can't disappears. remember it. <laughs> the baby disappears I, in a couple next door. I remember nothing about a stranger in the house except that I hated it. A stranger in the house and then um, it's – it turns out that someone got murdered, and... Of course. Of course they did. They think that you know, she did it because she got in a car accident, like, right after, like, the where the bodies were found or whatever, and she had, and like... she has, like, a secret God, ex-husband. So Her gloves had, like, blood on them. So dumb. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes. Secret ex-husband. This is so one. dumb. Oh, yeah. And Couple Next Door is the one where the baby got taken. Y'all remember that there was a detective that was in both of those books for some reason? Even though, like, Razzball. <laughs> I, only, I only remember that because I recently listened to Mean Book Club and they did Couple Next Door. Oh, my gosh. I need to listen to that. Sounds yeah, great. I highly recommend it. Although, so they do this thing where they, like, give – they, like, hate rate books. So it's kind of like our Goodreads rating. But they do – they rate it, like, in the world of bad books. And they all gave it a really high score because they were like, this was really enjoyable because it was so bad. Whereas <laughs> – They've read like yeah. like really bad self help books, and they're like, "This yeah. was a one. It was boring." <laughs> but they were like too positive kind on it. I was like, "It was a fast read. I'll give it that." Like, and I yeah. I did laugh at it a lot. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was more funny than infuriating. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the <sighs> discussion question. Uh, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> you what can is, cut all what that is out. happening? What is happening? I don't even know. Don't okay, know. so I'm gonna say that even though, like <laughs> Stella's ending is not happy, I don't. I didn't feel like that was. Uh, I didn't feel like that was moralizing on the part of the author. Like, yeah. uh, look what will happen if you do this, or right. or something. Um, it, it felt like a natural. Well, and she gets, you know, she gets to keep going. Like, she continues to be with her husband, and he doesn't know. And, like, Mm -hmm. that was her And she gets a new wedding ring. Yeah. She upgrades. Yeah, I love that he's just like, that's okay. It's time for an upgrade anyway. (laughs) And, like, who gets upgrades? This is crazy. Yeah. Um, But I, I was, like, happy with... The fact that this book ended with Jude and Reese instead of kind of focusing on the twins. Cause like, I think yeah. that, I think that really like in a lot of ways, Jude is like 
Jude and Kennedy are like the main characters of this book rather than the sisters, which is not what I was expecting. Um, yeah. But it sort of focuses on their story. And I guess it, you know, like the the next generation is always going to be what is like more important because time keeps pushing forward. But um, <laughs> I, I, I read this interview asking about that final scene where basically after the funeral, Jude brings Reese to the funeral of her grandmother. And after the funeral, rather than going and talking to people and dealing with everyone talking about them and being like, look, Jude's back. She's still really dark skinned. Uh, <laughs> they, they run out to the creek and they um, go swimming. And um, Britt Bennett said in this interview that uh, – hold on. I should just find it and read what she said because um, I really thought it was nice. Hold on a second. I didn't have an ending in mind aside from not wanting the story to end, and I felt surprised by the final scene of Jude and Reese in the river. Did one or both of them lead you to there, or was that the scene in your mind at some point? Um, or was that scene in your mind at some point, and what does the scene mean to you? Um, and she said – I just kept thinking about this image of them jumping in that river. I don't know if I knew that would be the ending, but I knew there was something about that that I just loved. The Mothers is a book that has a pretty down ending, and I wanted to do something different. I don't know that I would call this a happy ending. I don't think people would, but to me, it's a hopeful ending. I think ending with this next generation, and not only this next generation, but Jude and Reese, who are two characters who have experienced so much trauma and so much shame and so much violence in their lives, particularly surrounding their bodies. Them having this moment of bodily liberation, this baptismal moment of carefree joy together, to me, that was something that felt like this was where I wanted it to end. Um, And I thought that was really nice because they do, you know, Reese is trans and Jude has, like, all of this, you know, unfortunate shame surrounding her skin because of the community she grew up in. And both of them, like, take off their clothes and they go into the river together and they're alone together and, like, are able to sort of, like, wash away, like, and especially, like, for Jude because her grandmother who just died was one of the biggest, like, jerks to her <laughs> about <laughs> the way that she looked. Like, she was clearly, like, there's, like, a whole section where it talks about how Jude like, asked her grandmother to help her lighten her skin. And they, like, do this whole... Instead of her grandmother doing what she should have done, which is be like, you are beautiful and I'm not going to do that, her grandmother, like, tr- like makes a lemon juice concoction and, like, does all this stuff to try to, like, lighten her skin. Um, because she clearly agrees that she could be more beautiful if she wasn't dark. And <laughs> having that person die and her being able to be like, I'm not going to this, like, after party. I'm going to the river with my hot boyfriend. (laughs) And he's going to be shirtless because he finally got to have his surgery that he wanted to, you know, make him feel more at home in his skin. Like, I think that was really, like, a beautiful ending. So um, that is my last kind of point. But do you guys have anything else? Things we liked, things we didn't like casting ideas for the HBO series. <laughs> um, um, yeah, go ahead. I will just say, this is not like a specific um, scene or thing that happened, but just a thing that I enjoyed about the experience of reading it is, I, like I said earlier, sometimes I think when stuff covers 
a lot of time. There's not enough of an immersion in who the characters are. But for this, I actually felt like I felt like this was a much longer book than it actually was. Like when I finished it, I felt like so much was packed in to what wasn't really that long. Yeah, it was like three. Like I read it pretty quickly and I was like, I was still like, okay, I would read like 500 more pages of these people because I really am like, I was just so there with them and really wanted more. And I haven't felt that at the end of a book in a while where I was just like, where's the rest? Like, (laughs) what are we doing? I would read a sequel. So I thought like to be able to pull that off is a a credit to Britt Bennett. I agree. And I, and I honestly felt that way about the mothers too, that I felt like I, like something I, I really loved about that book and something that I'm really drawn to in books in general is like really strong character development. And I felt, that here and in that book, I felt like these were people that I could know, you know? And, like, um, they all had, even though, like, the narrator didn't, like, the voice didn't change, it. they all had, like, really distinctive points of view. Um, mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that, too. Um, Emily, do you have any final comments before we do ratings? Um... No, I think this book was hyped up a lot for me, so I was expecting to like it more than I did. However, I've had a really um, very good couple of reading months, so (laughs) it had a lot of other – like, I've read a lot of really good books lately, so it had a lot to live up to. I won't won't say I didn't enjoy it. I did, but I – I don't know. Like, I actually think I like the mothers better than this one. Yeah. Um. But I still enjoyed this. I definitely feel like the second half picked up for me. It took me a little while to get into this one, which was part of the problem. Yeah. Um, but once it shifted to be about the two daughters, I was more interested in their stories, as I said earlier. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to just go ahead and rate it from there? Because. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Um, I'm probably going to give this one four stars. Nice. Because, you know, like, there wasn't anything wrong with it. It was definitely, like, well-written and um, thought-provoking and it clearly gave us a lot to talk about. But it wasn't, like, it's not going to be, like, a fave of mine. Yeah. But I feel like that's more, like, personal. But that that fifth star is always personal for me. For sure. Agreed. Um, I'm going to give it five because I did I did love it. Um, and I, I would say I remember, like, my reaction to the mothers being, like, even stronger than this. And I also gave that one a five. Um, I, I love that book. And I, want, I like, want to reread it now because I'm like, that book is so good. But I, I felt... <laughs> this like similarly about this book and I like I don't know there were parts of it that definitely made me feel like that feeling that you get when you read something really good and you're like oh my heart you know which like doesn't happen very often but also I definitely don't read as much as I would like to so I have like all the books I read are basically what we read for this podcast (laughs) so it's been a while since I felt like um that like real heart feeling 
Um, so that is my rating. I am also going to give it a five. Uh, mm. I felt that same thing, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also would really, I want to reread The Mothers now because I think, I remember when we read that and it was kind of a weird time for me. And I think that's yeah. why I didn't like stick with me. Um, as much. Um, but I know that this one will, like I already, I already feel like that and I've already told a bunch of people to read it. Yeah. Um, like I'm already being really annoying about it. <laughs> so I know that it's a five. <laughs> um, but I want to go back and read the mothers too, because I think that I might have that same experience with that now. But yeah, I mean, for me, it was like that feeling at the end where I was like, no, like I wasn't <laughs> really ready for it to be over. Yeah. I really did like the ending, but I just, I wanted even more. And, um, I don't often feel that at the end of a book and unlike Emily, I've had kind of a bad stretch (laughs) where I've read two books that I was really excited about before this. And both of them were like, and then, um, I honestly wasn't that excited about this one, mostly because I knew it covered a long period of time. And for some (laughs) reason that is not a thing I'd like. So, um, I was not, I didn't actually have like five star expectations of it or anything, but, um, I knew it'd be good because I, I remember the writing and the mothers being really, really good. But, um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised and have been actively recommending. Nice. Yeah. I feel like I, my expectations were mixed because on the one hand, like I loved the mother. So I was like, and also I've heard really good things about this. It's been very hyped. And I was like, oh, like I'm really excited to read it. But I was also scared because when I love someone's first book or whatever, I'm like, there's no way that something could live up to how I felt about this. Um, So I was like, not sure what my expectations should be. So I was trying to kind of keep them like even. Uh, like, don't get too excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, like before a first, first date that you're, like, it's kind of hyped up because you're really great over text. Exactly. But, like, who knows <laughs> when you get the there and you're like, oh, like it doesn't translate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, we would like to add that Mary mentioned she is also giving it five stars. So uh, we'll ask her for more of her thoughts when she's back next time. But overall, pretty good uh, ratings all around. I'm pleased. Mm. (laughs) Um, And if you have thoughts, disagreements, opinions, you can write to us about it at thesquad at booksbuggles.com. And please do. Oh my God, Murray's crying to get back in here now. Murray! (laughs) Murray, you miss everybody! some listener feedback finally uh <laughs> so the, our Hi, first everybody. feedback hey Murray. oh hello um our first feedback is from darcy our friend in wyoming darcy, we have missed you we missed you um darcy is now caught up with our catalog so her feedback is coming in less regularly because she used to just be writing us about our old books that she had read but now she's finished so she's just caught up with us now <laughs> Um, that's, that's very so, impressive, Darcy, I have to say. I can't believe how much you read, Darcy, and I'm jealous of your uh, 
ability to focus because I lack it. <laughs> oh my god, Murray, stop. He's so cute. Okay. Darcy says, Hey ladies, how how are all of you? We're good. Yeah, we're we, making it, Darcy. We've been better, yeah, I mean, we've been worse, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mary can't speak for herself. Yeah, but Mary's not doing awesome. She's not great. <laughs> <laughs> um she says, as I read Magic for Liars, I got somewhat bored. I love a mystery, but to me, it was a slow start. I liked the setting in a school and how the students were involved, and then the middle of the story got stuck in a slow bog. As I persevered, the pace picked up for me. The twists in the end helped get through the book. I did like the interaction of the two sisters. Oh, another twin book. I almost forgot. Um, oh, yeah. Yet, the author portrayed them to be dysfunctional with each other. In the end, I gave it a three. I have told Kelly this before. I learn so much from all of you. Sometimes I don't want to give my opinion of a book to you all. <laughs> but I'm going to change that from here on out. And she says, okay, I – oh, my God, Fig, stop. Fig is playing with a mermaid tail um, toy, but he's being really loud and crinkling it. So if you hear a sound, that's what it is. Um, she says, okay, I really liked We Set the Dark on Fire quite a bit. Yet I was talking to you ladies throughout your discussion. I so disagree with your analysis. I believe these girls knew what they were getting into. I bet there was a competition to get into the school. Oh, my God, Fig. Can you guys hear him? It would have been nice to um, read about that. I know. Um, They were also trained since they were 10. That was their goal. It was part of their culture. My imagination helped that, I guess. They had generations of two wives. Reminds me of the Mormons who back in the day had two wives, or Leah and Rachel who were married to Jacob. Biblical couldn't resist. I think the friendship between Carmen and Danny should have been built up slower, especially since they were such adversaries. In the end, when Carmen left, I admit, I teared up. I am reading the sequel, and it takes off with a bang. I do read fast, but sometimes that is a hindrance because I can miss details. Take care, and I will be listening. Oh, P.S., my daughter wanted me to tell you she met Lin-Manuel in Washington, D.C. She was so excited. She loved the musical. Love, Darcy, your friend in Wyoming. Oh. Good for your daughter. Oh. <laughs> yes, that is so cool. Tell your yeah. daughter that we're jealous. Um, and I am curious about the sequel. I I do want to read it. Um I want to read it too, and um, this is a good endorsement that it takes off a little bit faster. So, yeah. Hopefully, we'll be talking, to, or I'll be talking to you about that soon. I don't know if the other people want to read it or not, but I do. Maybe you can do a <laughs> blog post about it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, who wants to read this next one? Emily, this is your person. Okay. I, can do it. <laughs> I just have to pull up the thing. Sorry, I was taking pictures of my cat. Wow. Um, <laughs> He's being so. Cute. Emily has checked out of the podcast. No, I just like it's it's very hard. My cat is just sitting here on the chair with me, chilling, and it's so cute. Like I, I just can't deal with how chill this cat is. Anyway, um, okay. So this is from Jordan. It doesn't say where Jordan's from. It just says it's about we set the dark on fire. So. Jordan, if you want to let us know where you're from, it'd be great. <laughs> anyway, um, Jordan says, hi, I'm new to the podcast. I'm actually one of Emily's TBR people. I hope me following podcasts doesn't make her job harder. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I just think it'll be fine. I, I honestly, like, don't recommend books that we cover on the podcast, like, that often. So I think we'll still be good. Um, 
But yeah. Anyway, um, I also gave We Set the Dark on Fire three stars for pretty much all the same reasons. I really, really wanted more world building. I wanted to know what their school life was like. And I really am not a fan of enemies to lovers. I know it's super popular. Okay. Well, I know it's super popular. (laughs) But I hate when enemies hated each other for years and then have like one somewhat deep interaction and then just love each other. Well, you know, Jordan, love and hate are very... Close to one another on the spectrum. Passion. This is a thin line, some might say, between love and hate. Um, anyway, back to what Jordan's saying. Um, if enemies to lover has to exist, I need it to be a slow burn. I definitely get that. As a zillennial, I'm here to tell you my picks <laughs> of who should play whom in the movie. Thank you. I appreciate that because, like, we old people, we needed some help. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I asked the question and then regretted it because, like, I myself didn't actually have. We're like, we don't, we don't know, like, the, the youth. <laughs> we don't know the young people anymore. So you gotta help <laughs> us out. Uh, so Jordan's suggestions are as follows: Danny Camilla Marone, who I do not know. Surprise. Uh, <laughs> Carmen, either Rachel Zegler or Isabella Merced, if either of them are old enough. No idea who either of them are. We'll have to Google this later. The husband okay. guy. The husband guy. I got nothing. Yeah. Rebellion no, I guy. I, <laughs> I love how the husband guy and rebellion guy don't get names. That really, like, is a vibe, and I'm digging it. <laughs> um, uh, Re- rebellion guy should be played by D- Diego Tinoco, and I hope I'm saying Diego. his name correctly. Tenoka. Um, but yeah, um, I'm so ready to watch. Oh yeah, he totally of- looks how I imagined. Oh. That's funny. I'll have to Google it. I'm trying to read this letter, so I can't Google and read at the same time. It's just too much. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I'm so ready to watch. I'm thinking of anything. I really want to see how the movie portrayed the writing style. Uh, I also read The Vanishing Half back when it came out. I gave it four stars. You know what, Jordan? You and I, we're like simpatico like i also gave it four stars like i feel like we're a good except for knowing the same actors you're totally on the same page yeah we're, we're we're a good team you can bring in the young actors and i can bring the book recommendations and it's gonna it's gonna work out anyway jordan says i look forward to the next episode thank you we're so excited that you are listening and um yes. we appreciate um you know like you gotta you gotta keep us up on what Gen Z is talking about since Please you know do. we're we're not Gen Z at all and you can be our Gen Z that, liaison. Yeah, you can I'm the closest and I'm twenty nine now. So it's yeah, so. not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um Ooh, my eye just twitched. But yeah, thanks Jordan. Thanks for that. <laughs> thank you, Jordan. Um thank you so much for writing us feedback. So, what's on the blog? Um, Emily. Spooktober. Oh, um, Spooktober is happening. So, here's a question I have because I'm about to watch some Spooktober things coming up. Do you guys feel like true crime is a good fit for Spooktober? Heck yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, then there might be a true crime <laughs> blog coming your way. Um, we'll have to wait I and think see. you make the rules. I know, but, you know, like, I... There's just... Twi- this is too spook, too tober. Yeah, that's true. Anything goes. Anything goes. 
Um, 2020 has been a weird year for movies. I am very excited. I just, before we got on this call, I saw a trailer for a movie that's coming to, um, Netflix called His House. Um, it looks friggin' awesome. I think that's the name of it. Let me check. I haven't heard of that, but are you going to cover the witches? That's my question. Yeah. Um, I'll probably cover (laughs) the witches because that's coming out. I would love to do that with you. um, Okay. Because I love that book. Yeah, so, I mean, we got some cool stuff coming up. We'll see how it all shakes out. It's a, again, it's a weird year for movies, so uh, it's been one of those situations where I've had to um, pick some weird shit. Uh, I did I did Antebellum last week, which um, was a movie that I was really excited about seeing, and then the reviews came in, and they were not good, and then I was like, fuck it, I'm going to watch it anyway, because that's how I do, and I watched it, and my review came in, and it was also not good. The reviews were so. right, folks. <laughs> the reviews were right on this one. However, I would never tell you not to watch something, because I don't do that. And I wouldn't ask you to do that. But anyway, Spooktober, it's happening. It's a it's a blog about it's a blog series about scary movies, if you didn't pick up on that. I realize I didn't say that at any point. To spook to Tober. It's to spook to Tober. It's second year. Yeah. Um Mary wrote about Raised by Wolves, which is a show on is it on Amazon? I think it's on HBO. Yeah. HBO. Okay. It's on like a HBO sci-fi Max. show. Yeah, which is, I think, produced and maybe the first episode is directed by by Ridley Scott. Um, it is a sci-fi show about some, like, robot uh, civilization stuff. Uh, the post is really interesting. I have not watched the show, but she basically gives a pretty good argument for why you should check it out. So check that out on the blog. Susan? Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> I read The Guest List by Lucy Foley. This is one of the books I was referring to earlier that I said I was excited about, and then I felt like, meh, about it. Yeah. Um, so I wrote a lukewarm review of that if you want to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Not really selling the review very hard. Um, I read her other book, The Hunting Party, and I kind of felt similar, like, well, it was fine. Well, a lot of the reviews, the other reviews I read of The Guest List said it's basically the exact formula of The Hunting Party, but with different people. So, oh, okay. Um, which made me not want to read the hunting party. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't love think this you one. need to. But anyway, it's. I know a lot of people did really like this book, so uh, I would love to hear your opinion if you did read it and you want to, um, you know, have like a friendly argument about it or um, a not so friendly argument. If you want to have a fucking <laughs> fist fight about it. <laughs> yeah, if you want to fight me, then DM us on Instagram because that's where you can find me. <laughs> um, and I also, upcoming, we are, I'm going to bring back a featured bookstore. Oh, boy. We've kind of had to hit pause for a while because, you know, stores were closed. But um, I have a cool one coming up that's in the works. So just stay tuned for that. And also, I would just like to say as a teaser, The Bachelorette's about to start. So recaps yes. are coming back. And I have no idea how we're going to recap this season because it sounds like a train wreck. They also and announced. We're going to do our first impressions. Yeah. They also announced the men. So there's a first impressions post coming soon. We should probably start organizing that this weekend. So yes. it'll, be, it'll, it'll be up soon. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this this is going to be a crazy season. I don't really know how we're going to deal with that. But uh, I'm so <laughs> excited to have something new to watch. <laughs> um, <laughs> new Bachelor content. And even more than that, honestly, I'm excited to have um, new recaps to read. So, uh, okay. I wrote about, or I wrote about Pen15, uh, which you may have heard of. It is a wonderful show on Hulu um, that is about two middle school girls, but they are played by women in their 30s who are playing younger versions of themselves. Um, and it is, like, extremely... The comedy is, is like, cringe comedy, and it's very hard to watch, like, secondhand embarrassment-wise. And the shame that you will feel watching it is a lot. But I highly, <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's hilarious and also made me cry. Like, it's one of those shows that is, like, so stupid and funny, but then it will have, like, these poignant moments where you're like, where the fuck did that come from? And then you cry. <laughs> so definitely check it out and anyway my post is just kind of I'm kind of like talking about the also like these two girls are teenagers in 2000 so um they're 13 years old in the year 2000 I was like in I was like nine at that or like eight or nine at that time so um but anyway like not that different from the year that I was 13 uh and it's like very relatable to my own experience some kind of writing about like what is going on on the show and then like how like what was going on in my life that was very similar to what's going on in the show um because i felt that might might be a fun way to write about it so anyway if you want to like hear some embarrassing stories from my middle school years check out the post i'm excited for that (laughs) also you're when you just said how old you were in that year i realized again for the 500th time in my life how hard it is for me to do simple math because it took me a sec to figure out how old I was in that year yeah (laughs) which was 12 yeah which makes sense so Susan have you watched this show no but now I want to I didn't even I've heard of it but I didn't even know that that's what it was about oh my god it's so fucking funny it's like you can cut this out because I just want to say like that it is so funny and good and Emily have you watched it no not yet i know it's like it's really it's like 30 minute episodes it's not that many episodes and it's like the two actresses are like it's just really funny because they're like fully in their 30s but they're like dressed (laughs) like 13 year olds they have like their chests wrapped and stuff and they have like braces on and like Everyone around them who is playing 13-year-olds are, like, actual 13-year-olds. So they're, like, full-ass <laughs> adults, and everyone else is children. And it's, like, so funny. <laughs> um, okay, but they're doing, like, an incredible job of acting like 13-year-olds. But it's just – it's so funny. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's my post. Uh, Susan, why don't you tell us about our next other sode? Okay. <laughs> um, for our next other episode, we are watching The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is the second season, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of an As, anthology. Yeah. Um, if you remember A Haunting of Hill House, this is the next season of that, but unrelated mm-hmm. to that. So if you didn't watch the if you didn't watch The Haunting of Hill House, that's okay. You can still watch this along with us. And 
word on the street is that this is based on The Turn of the Screw by Henry James, not by Thomas Hardy, which we established <laughs> last, <laughs> last week. <laughs> um, oh, man. And this is on Netflix, correct? Yes. 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 Okay. Um, yeah, so October 19th is when that's coming out, so watch it before then. October we can 9th. Talk about spooky stuff. 9th? Yeah. 19th. Oh. Oh, why did I... October 19th is when the episode comes out? Uh, when yeah, our episode that's comes what... Out? Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about when yeah. the show comes out. Okay, never mind. The show comes out Ten on the 10th. 10 days no, no, before no. that. Our yeah, show comes out. out. Yeah, okay, <laughs> So watch it before. I was like, Lord, I hope this show doesn't come out on the 19th because we will not have time to watch it and talk about it. Meanwhile, I was like, the 9th? That seems really soon for our show to be coming out. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Emily, next episode. Um, Gosh, we just have so much spooky content coming your way. And this one is going to be really great because it's about a a deadly virus uh, attacking people um so that should be fun and i want y'all to know two things i got a two-tier response to this pick that i made first of all um i picked this book before covid happened yeah so there's that second of all i would not put it past me to read a book about a virus anyway even during a pandemic Because, like, I just really believe in facing your fears head on. Um, I'm, like, actually really scared uh, to read this. But I'm, like, I'm excited, but I'm, like, actually scared. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have read a couple of Paul Tremblay's books already. And I think it's fair to say I'm a pretty big fan of his work. Um, This is another one of those things where it's, like, it's sort of like the um, when I picked a ton of French book. Like, I'm a really big fan of Tana French's work, but I was like, I'm really worried because I haven't read this Tana French book, and I don't want them to read this and be like, why are you such a big fan of her? This book sucks, you know? (laughs) Um, You know, and, like, with the Tana French book, having read it, like, that isn't – that, like, if I wanted to introduce somebody to Tana French, that isn't the book I would pick. Um (laughs) And so I am curious to see, for those of you who haven't read Paul Tremblay before, how you will feel about him after reading this. And if you think, if you're going to be like, why does Emily love this author so much? Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll just see. I, I That's, I guess, the risk you take when you're picking a book you haven't read before, which is what we always do. But it feels like an extra risk when you've already, like, put your money down on this author and said, like, this is an author I love. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited though. I've had a couple of his books sort of just sitting in my, sitting in my Goodreads to read shelf for yeah. a long time. So I'm excited to finally pick, pick one. I think, yeah, you know, it was picked for me. I think he's one of those authors and I'm not going to say like his books are like Stephen King, but I think he's one of those horror authors where if you enjoy Stephen King novels, like his stuff is also something you should check out, if that makes sense. Yeah, which, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I love Stephen King. So. <laughs> you do? <laughs> what? We never talk about Stephen King on this podcast, ever. We never talk about Stephen King, and we never talk about the Southern Reach trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> See, we Mary, I got covered, it in for you. We haven't had, like, five Stephen King episodes. 
Yeah. Um, um, probably all forced by me. But <laughs> no, I, I think so, I think actually. We, yeah. I think we quite a few of us agreed on different Stephen yeah. King episodes. But by the way, I probably never last. forced a group of people to watch um, virtually to watch Doctor Sleep with me. Uh, and I rewatched it and everyone liked it. And I was like, I told you guys it was good. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've tried to tell Ben that, but he hasn't watched it yet. So it's good. Know. Yeah. Um, hey, also, um, if you just haven't heard enough of my opinions about books, and I mean, like, really, I know all y'all want to hear me talk about books even more. Um, I had the honor and pleasure of guesting on Hugo's There, which is a podcast in which um, they're making their way through the, um, or Seth, it's one host. There's only one host. He's making his way through the um, uh, Hugo Award winning books one book at a time and he has a a different guest on for every episode to speak with him about these books because, you know, one person talking about a book, just not as fun. Um, Is he going in reverse chronological order or is he... No, it's just... So the way it works is he has a guest and then the guest gets to pick from the books that haven't been chosen yet. So he asked me to pick and I picked American Gods because I thought you know what I really need less time in my life um and this because that book was like 600 plus pages it's a long book. yeah um but you know I read like, it for another book club and like no one finished it yeah it was one of, it was one of those books where I was <laughs> like you know unless I'm assigned to finish this book I probably won't um and I really wanted to read it so I picked it and then after I picked the book and got on the podcast and like, you know, I listened to, I've listened to other episodes. It's a great show. You guys should check it out. Um, I will. But I was listening to other episodes and I was like, you know what? Most of the people seem to be picking books that they already know they liked. And they're like re-reading <laughs> so that they can talk about it again. And I'm like, I decided to just pick this, you know, as is tradition on this show, we just pick random yeah. books that we've never read before because we're just like, we want to read that. And so I got on right. and I was like, you know what? Never. That's this what I would have done. I would have been like, this yeah. is a great excuse to read yeah. a book. Like, yeah. So that's what I did because I already know that I enjoy Neil Gaiman books and I wanted to read American Gods. Um, but I also felt like, you know, I could imagine somebody who's, like, really into American Gods listening to that episode and being like, why did this girl get to talk about American Gods? Because she, like, <laughs> has only read it once and hasn't seen the this show. This bitch. Yeah. What does this bitch know about American Gods? I've read it five <laughs> times, you know? So I will say I, I'm coming from the perspective of someone who is reading it for the first time, has not watched the television show yet. I want to watch the show now, but I definitely, like, didn't want to watch it before – talking about it yeah um because i like i hear the show is very different um I've but heard i am it's good but i have not watched yeah. it either so i don't know maybe as a follow-up one of these days i'll do a blog about the show and then i'll get to plug this podcast all over again but it's um again it's called hugo's there we will post a link in the show notes um yes but yeah y'all should check it out it's a really cool show um all right so Here's the thing. We have social media. We are at Bookswoggles on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We could really use uh, – well, we could use more followers on all platforms, but we're very close 
to a thousand followers on Instagram. So please uh, tell your friends and lovers to follow us. There might be a giveaway when we reach a thousand. We're just teasing that right now. Um, and then also we could really, really seriously use more followers on Twitter. Uh, please. <laughs> so I don't like, we don't tweet that much. It won't be annoying. It'll just be like a nice little reminder. Like here's a blog post. Like we post them there. Here's our podcast. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you're going to transition back into that. I don't know what else to say. I said everything. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Okay, um, bye, thank everybody. you for listening. We miss you, Mary. We can't wait to see you next time. Um, Unless you you're still Stay sick safe. for some reason. Don't be still sick. Okay, see you on the next episode. Stay safe, everyone. Wear a mask. Black Lives Matter. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs>